0: Welcome back to The Word and Counter, episode 130, where we'll be picking it up in Isaiah chapter 31. And just as a reminder, for reference, we're using the Christian Standard Bible version. And in the Christian Standard Bible version, they have these these, uh, section headings for each um, section of verses that are, are included there. And I find it very helpful to keep things organized. And so this section heading in chapter 31 says, The Lord, the only help. It says in verse one, woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and who depend on horses. They trust in the abundance of chariots and in the large number of horsemen. They do not, they do not look to the Holy One of Israel and they do not seek the Lord. See, and so what we're seeing here is that a lot of people trust in their efforts, trust in the efforts of other men, other people, other organizations but they never seek the Lord. They just look to human hands, their own or others. They never seek the Lord. And the the, the Lord is is saying, you know, woe to those who do this. You know, a lot of times people will use the Lord as the last resort. They'll try everything else first, and then they'll turn to the Lord. No, turn to me first. (laughs) Turn to me first, for I love you. Verse 2, but he is also... what but he also is wise and brings disaster speaking of the lord he is also wise and he brings disaster and he does that to correct his people because him uh, bringing disaster is actually uh, better for them than him just letting them go on being wicked and evil and doing what they do says he does not go back on what he says in other words when the lord says something it's like a vow it's a promise he doesn't have to say i promise to do this if he says it that's all that need be said. You should be like us. Our word should be our bond. We shouldn't have to say, I promise you this, I promise you that. All we should have to do is state something, and it will be interpreted as so. It says he will rise up against the house of the wicked and against the allies of evildoers. Verse three, it says, Egyptians are men, not God. Their horses are flesh, not spirit. When the Lord raises his hand to strike, the helper will stumble, and the one who is helped will fall. Both will perish together. See, neither one of them sought the Lord. They're they're all uh, trying to do things in their own strength, and he's saying one will stumble, the other will fall, they'll both perish together. In verse 4, for this is what the Lord said to me, again, this is Isaiah prophesying, Uh, Isaiah being an oracle of the Lord, so the the, the Lord is feeding Isaiah what to say, and he's prophesying out to the people. Verse 5, like hovering birds, so the Lord of armies will protect Jerusalem. By protecting it, he will rescue it. By passing over it, he will deliver it. See, and so the Lord disciplines, you know, the Israelites. He disciplined those in Judah, you know, sometimes severely, but he was doing it for their benefit. Because it says the Lord of armies will protect Jerusalem. You know, sometimes for you to be protected, you have to be disciplined. <laughs> it says, by protecting it, he will rescue it. By passing over it, he will deliver it. Verse 6, return to the one the Israelites have greatly rebelled against. He's, uh, Isaiah's prophesying to those in Judah. He says, return to the one the Israelites have greatly rebelled against. Remember, Israel fell before Judah, so so the people of Judah witnessed what happened to Israel. And so, and they they still went, this, eventually went in the same direction, but they still, they witnessed what happened to Israel. And so he's saying, return uh, to the one the Israelites have greatly rebelled against. For on that day, every one of you will reject the worthless idols of silver and gold that your hands have uh, sinfully made. <clears throat> See, if you return to the one that the Israelites rejected, if you return to the one that the wicked and the evil reject, if you turn away from them and to the Lord, and it says on that day, that day being that day of judgment, out there in the future, that day, and and none of us knows when that day is. It could be near. It could be in our lifetime. I don't know. It says for on that day, every one of you, will reject the worthless idols of silver and gold that your own hands have uh, sinfully made. And so all the things that we worship, all the things that we have purchased and that we, you know, toiled for, that we've sweated for, that we've bled for, all these idols in our lives, it says on that day, we will reject the worthless idols because we will see clearly how worthless they really are. And then in verse 8, it says, then Assyria will fall. The house of wickedness will fall, but not by human sword. A sword will devour him, but not one made by man. He will flee from the sword. His young men will be put um, to forced labor. And so he's he's saying that the enemy of me, evil and wickedness, will fall. But not by sword, not by might, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, saith the Lord. And So, no, 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 not by might, not by sword or anything like that. See, this stuff is going to fall because it's in my presence. It says, this is the Lord's declaration, whose fire is in Zion and whose furnace is in Jerusalem. In other words, this is what I say. The Lord says, this is my declaration. This is what I say because this is my house. This is my house and this is where my love is. This is where my passion is. And he protects that zealously. We move on to chapter 32. The section title says the righteous kingdom announced. All right. Now, indeed, a king will reign righteously. This is, again, speaking out into the future. Isaiah's prophesying out into the future. He's declaring what's going to happen in the future. And it says, Indeed, a king will reign righteously and rulers will uh, rule uh, justly. See, so righteousness will reign. See, justice will reign. In verse 2, it says, Each will be like a shelter from the wind, a refuge from the rain, uh, like flowing streams in a dry land, in the shade of a massive rock in an arid land. And so th- all of this is going to be a breath of fresh air. You know, we're going to live in a manner that is unaccustomed to us right now. See, I can be somewhat of a cynic. And, and, and a lot of times I look to, towards and I see the worst in people. I assume the worst in people. A lot of times I don't give anybody the benefit of the doubt. I just assume there's some kind of scam, some kind of, some kind of aggression, some kind of something that's behind people's motives because observing and living in the world has taught me basically to do that. I trust nobody for the most part. And that's not how we were created to live. That's how the world has taught me to live. And that's not in congruence with how I am to be uh, with regard to um, uh, looking at my fellow man, and I realize that. <clears throat> and I'm working on that. But in that day, none of the stuff will come to mind. Because there will be a different atmosphere. There will be a different climate of life. Verse 3. Then the eyes of those who uh, see will not be closed, and the ears of those who hear will listen. And so, you know, people won't be blind. They won't be deaf. See, a lot of times you talk about the Lord today with people, they put on their blinders, they cover their ears, they don't want to hear it. See, but in that day, people don't want to know. Their eyes won't be uh, closed. Their ears, you know, will hear. And it says in verse four, the reckless, the reckless mind will gain knowledge, you know, and the stammering tongue will speak clearly and fluently. In verse five, (laughs) I like this. A fool will no longer be called a noble nor a scoundrel said to be important. And so the idiots amongst us, and what I mean by idiots is, is that those who choose to ignore the Lord, those, those who choose to do wrong, those who choose to be unjust, all those people, you know, I categorize all those people as fools. It says a fool will no longer, those people will no longer be called, called noble. In other words, those people no longer be looked up to. Because a lot of times the fools in our society are the ones that people look up to are the ones that people celebrate, are the ones that people want to be like. But it says in that day, a fool will no longer be called a noble. A fool will no longer be envied. Nor a scoundrel, nor a wicked person, a scammer, somebody who's trying to manipulate the system and get over, you know, they're not going to be said to be important. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, let's go on to chapter 33. And the section title says, The Lord rises up. Woe, you destroyer, never destroyed. You traitor, never betrayed. <laughs> it says, woe to you, destroyer, you who have never been destroyed. You are the destroyer of others, but you've never been destroyed. And it says, you traitor, uh, but you've never been betrayed. So you've, you've betrayed other people, but you've never been betrayed. This is speaking about Assyria. You know, it says, woe, Assyria, you destroyer of nations, even though you've never been conquered and destroyed. And you who lie and pillage the other people, but <clears throat> you expect people not to lie to you. It says, when you have finished destroying, you will be destroyed. When you have finished betraying, they will betray you. All the things that you use to execute your will and execute your judgment over others will be used against you. I believe this is a warning to us. We do things to others that we expect others not to do to us. We call others on the carpet for doing things that we do to others. See, we totally defy the do unto others as you'd like others to do unto you. We do what we feel is in our best interest, and we expect other people to do what we feel is in our best interest. And that's how we roll. And that's wrong. That's wrong. And it says down here in verse six, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. The fear of the Lord is a treasure. See, if you have a healthy and sincere fear of the Lord, that is a blessing. That is a treasure because that will keep you on the righteous path. See, if you don't have that thing to guide you and keep you on a righteous path, then you will veer off and you will start going in your own direction. And if you're going in, the, in a direction that's not being led by the Lord, it is going to catch up with you sooner or later. The fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. And we drop down to verse 10. It says, Now I will rise up. Yes. I don't know if I said, but this, the title of this section is The Lord Rises Up. Okay, again, this is chapter 33. It says in verse 10, Now I will rise up, says the Lord. Now I will lift myself up. Now I will be exalted. Then we drop down to verse 13. It says, you who are far off, hear what I have done. You who are near, know my strength. So whether you're far off or near, either you hear what I've done or know my strength. And far off, I take that to also mean in time. You see, Isaiah is prophesying this. You know 1700 1800 years ago says you who are far off hear what i have done and so here we are almost two thousand years later you know from his um uh from his prophecy they say no no we're wrong. No, almost three thousand years i got that wrong see 700 2000 yeah so th- this is more like 2700 years ago okay i've been saying 1700 no it's more like 2700 years ago And um, you have been far off, hear what I have done. And so 2,700 years, almost 3,000 years, that's a long ways off. And so it says, you who are far off, hear what I have done. In verse 14, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Trembling seizes the ungodly. The sinners in Zion are afraid. Why? Because the Lord reigns. Trembling seizes the ungodly. It doesn't say it seizes the godly. It says trembling seizes the ungodly. And then they say, who among us can dwell in a consuming fire? Who among us can dwell with ever-burning flames? In other words, the sinners are saying, who can live with a, in the presence of a holy God? You know, they're calling God a consuming fire. And they're calling him an ever-burning uh, flame. And they say, who can live in the presence of this? I've, I've often heard people say, who can live a holy life? You know, who, who can do that? <laughs> you know? That's impossible. Who can do that? Who can dwell uh, with a consuming fire? Who can dwell with an ever-burning flame? In verse 15, it says, and it gives the answer, the one who lives righteously and speaks righteously, who refuses profit from extortion, whose hand never takes a bribe, who stops his ears from listening to murderous plots and shuts his eyes against evil schemes. That's who can live in the presence of god see it doesn't say it's impossible it says yeah you can do that but this is what you have to do you have to live righteously and you have to speak rightly see that's what you have to do says you have to refuse ill-gotten gains you have to refuse profit from extortion you know you can't bribe you, you you can't extort people you can't threaten people It says whose hand never takes a bribe so that you can't be bought off. No matter how much somebody offers you, you can't be bought off. And you turn your head and you stop listening to those evil plots that people have against each other. You don't participate in that. That's how you can stand in the presence of God. It says in verse 16, he will dwell on the heights His refuge will be uh, the rocky fortresses, his food provided, his water assured. And so this is what will be done for the righteous. You know, those that can um, uh, execute and exhibit those attributes. This is what will happen. He will dwell in the heights. He will be safe in a rocky fortress. You know, a rock, not wooden, rocky fortress. You know, it can't be penetrated. You know, his food, his sustenance will be provided. He will be taken care of. Let's go on. In verse 22, it says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. And so the non-sinner, the righteous one, acknowledges that his Lord is his judge, not man the Lord. The Lord is his lawgiver. He follows the laws of the Lord, not man of the Lord. And the Lord is his king. The Lord is his shepherd. The Lord, he takes his direction from and takes his guidance from the Lord. Let's go on to chapter 34. It says the judgment of nations. Verse one, you nations come here. You nations, come here and listen. You peoples, pay attention. Let the earth and all that fills it hear. Hear what? The world and all that comes from it. The Lord is angry with all the nations, furious with all their armies. He will set them apart for destruction, giving them over to slaughter. Their slain will be thrown out. And stench amongst in the stench, yeah, and the stench of their corpses will rise. Uh, the mountains will flow with their blood. I would say that he's pretty angry. He's pretty angry at their behavior. And so this is what's going to come about with regard to the nations of the earth in that day. The next section says the judgment of Edom. Now, <clears throat> Edom is, is, is descendant from Esau. You know, and so you know Esau and Jacob. So they were brothers, and Esau, um, or uh, yeah, Esau had his birthright stolen. And I don't quite understand why Esau gets associated with evil. Um, and that's just one of those mysteries. Maybe one day I get revelation on. But anyway, uh, Edom is a descendant. The city of Edom is descended from Esau. And when uh, um, the Israelites, when Moses was leading them out of Egypt. Um, and they asked uh, Edom where they could uh, essentially cut through their country in order to to shorten up their travel. Uh, Edom said no, (laughs) no, and and made them go around, made them go much further around. And so they were not assisting God's people, even though they were related. They weren't assisting God's people. And so it says the judgment of Edom in verse 5, When my sword was drunk, it's filled in the heavens. When my sword has drunk, it's filled in the heavens. It will come down on Edom and on the people I have set apart for destruction. So the Lord is setting the people of Edom apart for destruction because of what they did or what they didn't do with regard to assisting, um, assisting the Israelites. And then it says in verse eight, for the Lord has a day of vengeance, a time of paying back Edom for its hostility against Zion. Verse nine, it says, Edom's stream will be turned into pitch, her soil into sulfur. Her land will become burning, a burning pitch. It will never go out day or night. Its smoke will go up forever. It will be desolate from generation to generation. No one will pass through it forever and ever. And so we can see that the Lord was very ticked off with Edom because they didn't, they didn't assist their brothers. And so he did not forget He didn't forget at all. He said, okay, your time is coming. And we're going to now finish up with chapter 35. And the title says, the ransomed return to Zion. So this is in the future, in that day, that day to come uh, under Christ's reign. And it says in verse 3, Strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaky knees. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. And so he's telling us in that day, and I think a lot of this we can apply to today. Steady the weak knees. Those who are afraid and cowardly, encourage them. Tell them be strong. Do not fear, no matter what you're going through. We're now dealing in the midst of this COVID thing, you know. Well, this is December 2020. A vaccine is being, being now uh, distributed to the first uh, frontline healthcare workers. A lot of people are putting their faith in this vaccine with regard to bringing us out of this situation, and it may work. I don't know, but I do know this: the word says be strong and do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. Verse 5 Then the eyes of the blind will be open, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. <clears throat> Let's drop down to verse 8. And it says A road will be there and a way, it will be called the Holy Way. The unclean will not travel on it. Sinners, wicked, evilness will not be there. That, that's not going to happen. But it will be for the one who walks the path. See, for the one who walks the path, the road will be enlightened. You know, the path will be made known and it will be called the holy way. There will be no um, confusion. There will, there, there will be no questioning. The holy will be able to see it and they will walk this way. And it says in verse nine, there will be no lion there. There will be no vicious beast and no vicious beast will go up uh, onto it. So there will be nothing to devour you in this way. It will be unencumbered. It will be straight. It will be seen. It says here that those vicious beasts and whatnot, they will not be found there, but the redeemed will walk on it. In verse 10, and the ransomed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, uh, crowned with unending joy. So we'll be, uh, our path uh, will be enlightened. We will be able to see the path back to the Lord, our God and our King. And it says joy and gladness will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee all of the hardships that one may have endured going through life all of that will be alleviated the reward will be in view and you will be able to walk on the path of the holy one and all of that stuff that has burdened us in our lives will fall off of us like scales hallelujah and with that we will pick it up in chapter 36 tomorrow be blessed stay safe and stay in the presence of the lord Everybody take care. Bye-bye.